You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 971 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 108-103 to win for the Hawks down in Tampa over the Raptors. Atlanta swept Toronto for the season with this victory and now... Uh, they've won seven of the last eight games. Lots of positivity reigning right now in Hawksland. They're now five games over 500 for the first time in quite a while. And uh, you know, national buzz for Clint Capella and Nate McMillan and all kinds of positivity right now in Hawksland. So we'll dive into the game as we always do. But that's definitely the top line thought is the Hawks are rolling. They're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And uh, that's kind of just, you know, speaks speak for itself. But still, it's worth just saying out loud a few times that the Hawks keep winning. They keep rattling off victories. And it's been a lot of fun. I know the Hawks fans, at least in my mentions and people that I see on Twitter, are having a lot of fun right now. And that's the name of the game when you are a basketball fan. So we'll dive into the game itself here. Um, first, with some injury updates. The Hawks were shorthanded once again. And when I say shorthanded, I mean very shorthanded once again. Sunday, they managed to get a win on the road in Charlotte without seven guys. That was the exact same roster in this game because Trey Young was questionable, ended up not playing. Gallinari was doubtful. He ended up not playing as well, joining Collins, Hunter, Snell, Reddish, and Dunn on the shelf. Same rotation as Sunday as well. We'll follow up with that in a second. Um, On the Toronto side, I I do want to point out that Van Vliet and Lowry were both out for the Raptors, so they were not at full strength either by any means. In fact, those are their two really – you know, best is not even do it justice. They're really they're only two like full blown established guards. I know Malachi Flynn went crazy in the fourth quarter, which we'll talk about in a second, but he was pretty bad for most of the night before that. And Lowry and Van Vliet being out helped the Hawks in a big way here, but still, Atlanta still had more injury issues than Toronto did. So, uh, with it, you know, after I said all that, it was pretty ugly at times in this game. This is not the best game I've ever seen played on either side of the floor. The Hawks did enough to win, which is all that matters, but it was not exactly high level. NBA basketball for large portions of this game on both ends for the Hawks and the Raptors. They felt like two shorthanded teams for portions of this game. The Hawks were in control pretty much the entire way, though. That's something I definitely want to credit the Hawks for at the top is that they just took an early lead and they held it and they held it and they held it. And the Raptors had some opportunities to be sure, including at the very end, but the Hawks just did enough to uh, sort of squeeze the life out of them and get a win. Um, Final thing before we get to the actual game itself is that the Hawks announced an injury update for Cam Reddish earlier today on Tuesday. It was the two-week mark since his last update. Um, the Hawks said that he has now, quote, progressed in his rehab activities to include spot shooting, and he'll be introduced to straight line running later this week, end quote. The next update coming from Cam is going to be on April 27th. That's two weeks from now. So nowhere close to coming back, it seems. On Reddish, uh, reevaluation as always does not mean return. So even you know you can't assume two weeks. You have to think longer than that probably. And even if he came back in two weeks exactly from today, which I think is not likely based on what the uh, you know record is of all this stuff happening. Even if he came back then, he only have ten more games left in the season. So Cam's uh, clock is ticking for this season. People asking me if I thought he's that he'd be actually back at all this this year. I I I would just be guessing. I have no actual intel there other than just kind of reading the tea leaves. I will say this. Part of the thing with Reddish is that right now, like, even if he comes back, 
in the near future, you have to ramp him up and the Hawks are in the middle of a playoff chase. Is he going to be able to get the kind of minutes that you would like him to get behind guys who are more established, like Tony Snell even right now, who's obviously injured, but in a couple of weeks, you're hoping that he's back and Hunter's back and all that stuff. So I don't really know what's going to happen. There is some progression in all the updates, which is what you want to see, but he's been out for so long now. He's missed the last 25 games including tonight. He's not played since February 21st, so it's been a long time for Cam. Obviously, Chris Dunn's even longer, missed the entire season, and Collins and Hunter, and all kinds of updates been happening, but that is uh, noteworthy that he was updated today and still nowhere close, it seems, to actually returning to action. Final thing, the point spread in this game was all over the place um, because of the injuries. So essentially, without going all the way into this, the Hawks were... Underdogs at the outset, when it was first initially posted, with Trey Questionable and Lowry supposed to play. Then, the Hawks number kind of fell. Um, I'm, I'm sure they took some money. Um, and then, when Lowry was, was ruled out, and Trey was still questionable, the Hawks were then favored for a little while. And then, when Trey was ruled out, the Raptors were favored. So, our friends at Mountain AG made the Hawks one-point underdogs in this game. So, basically, basically a coin flip, to be honest. One-point underdog is, like, basically, you know... Toss it in the air and we'll see what happens. But kind of a crazy thing that I always wanted to talk about at the top. Uh, all right, we'll dive in now to what transpired. It was kind of an uneven start on both sides. The Hawks were 3 of 10 with two turnovers at the first media timeout. It was 9 to 8 um, after six plus minutes. So kind of on slightly basketball overall. Some foul stuff. Solomon Hill got, got his second foul early. They brought Nathan Knight pretty quickly. Um, other than that, the rotation was pretty much the exact same as Sunday. In fact, first half, second half was the same as well, which is different than Sunday because the Hawks used their entire bench again in the second half of this game because they were up comfortably enough to where they actually were allowed to roll with Mays and Knight and Okongwu for a little bit longer in this game. The first run the Hawks actually put together was a 7-0 push out of a timeout, taking a 15-9 lead. The Raptors were 4 of 13 and 0 of 8 from 3. That was one of the themes of this game we'll come back to later on is that Toronto just could not make open shots until the very, very end. And even then, they weren't even open shots. Flynn just kind of hit some crazy ones down the stretch, but Toronto was very, very cold from the perimeter in this game, which definitely helped the Hawks along the way. There was a nice lob dunk from Lou Williams to Okongwu, uh, which was nice to see. They actually started out this game not switching on defense at all with Capella in the game, and then actually switched a lot more with Okongwu. Which makes sense, considering Capella uh, and Okongwu's different strengths as rim protectors. But the Hawks actually kind of allowed the Raptors to hang around because they actually threw three what they are basically called pick sixes, like turnovers that lead straight to layups in the first quarter. Other than that, Toronto just could not score, so that was kind of giving them a lifeline in some respects. But a couple late threes from Siakam and Bogdanovich, um, and the Hawks led 28-27 to at the end of the first. Capella was 6.6 rebounds in the first quarter. And the Raptors were 1 of 11 from 3 and 9 of 10 from 2. So that was kind of a weird dichotomy in that opening period. The second quarter, it was mostly uh, the bench unit at the outset. There was a great defensive possession from Okongwu where he kind of walled off Siakam. And Siakam was very good in this game, but uh, that was a nice successful possession for um, Okongwu. Nathan Knight tried his usual massive dunk. Ended up missing that one. He was not particularly great in this game, but that was, uh, as usual, I do admire that he tries to dunk everything, and there was another instance of that in this game. Uh, Kevin Hurd had a nice stretch where he had seven points in about 100 seconds, about you know, a minute and a half or so, to put the Hawks back in front after the Raptors took a small lead early in the second quarter. And that actually started off a 16-4 overall run, which Bogdanovich uh, capped with a three. And that kind of put the game away. Not Obviously, not, not, it was not away, but that was the one big push the Hawks had in the entire game. Once they did that, the Raptors never got it below five until the final minute of the game, essentially. So up 11 in the second quarter, 
Her had a couple of awesome passes, including a truly fantastic like cross-court whip pass to Solomon Hill for a corner three. That was a Trey Young-level pass from Kevin Herter. That was kind of interesting to see. And the Hawks went up by as many as 15 um, at one point in the first half. And uh, the final play of the half was definitely memorable as well. A touchdown pass of sorts from Solomon Hill throwing about a 90-foot pass to Kevin Herter, who catches it in stride and finishes before the buzzer goes off with about you know under a second to go. And that gives the Hawks a 12-point lead at the break. Um, Herter at 14, 13 for Bogdanovich, 13 for Compella, who had a double-double for halftime. That's the sixth time this year he's, that he's done that. He's been fantastic, obviously. The Hawks shot the ball very well in the first half, including 63% from the floor in the second quarter. And other than Siakam, who had 21 points for the Raptors, they had nothing else going on. They were 4 of 20 from 3, and that allowed the Hawks to take control of this game. Uh, before we get to the second half of the podcast, as well as some more analysis and some takeaways and some individual breakdowns, a word from our sponsors, and it's time to reveal our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. This week, I'm going off the board a little bit, but you'll definitely understand why in a second. I try to give the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week to as many different players as possible while still fitting some criteria. They have to be a huge factor in what's transpiring. This is all me, and this time, it was pretty easy, and it's Brandon Goodwin. Brandon Goodwin only played two games this week. In fact, the Hawks only played three games since last week we did this, so a short sample. But Goodwin stepping in for Trey Young, both on Sunday and on Tuesday, uh, was honestly awesome. With one brief uh, hiccup down the stretch of today's game, we missed some free throws, had a, had a bad turnover. Other than that, he was honestly remarkable for the last two games. 17.5 points per game, 5.5 assists, 5 rebounds, 59% from the floor, 60% from three. Goodwin is playing very, very well. And obviously, you know, under normal circumstances, he's not even playing in a rotation because they have Trey Young and Lou Williams. That's a heck of a combination at the backcourt. But Goodwin stays ready. I love that about him. He always plays very hard. He has a good motor, plays defense. Even if he's not going to shoot like this all the time, I just appreciated the way that he came in, ran the team, gave them energy, and uh, played at a very, very high level over the last two games. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success. and Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Brandon Goodwin. All right, it's the second half of the game here, and the third quarter did not start out fantastically for Atlanta. They did not score in their first three possessions of the second half, and the Raptors scored six straight points. And in, in, in sort of a blink of an eye, it was the league goes from 12 down to six. So that was the first like mini threat from the Raptors. Um, but even then, Toronto had some opportunities to close the gap even more, and they did not take advantage of those. And then slowly but surely, the Hawks throw a counterpunch. So Solomon Hill finishes through contact and also flexes. That was a funny moment. I love Solomon Hill. That was uh, entertaining. And then Kevin Herter hits a three to go back up by 12. So back the lead where it was and uh, all is right with the world. They kept in that range for most of the third quarter. Uh, a Kong will hit about a 17-foot catch and shoot at the end of a shot clock late in the four, late in the third quarter, which is nice to see. Shot with confidence, looked good. That was one of the things about Kong Wu that he projects to potentially be able to shoot. In the future, and that was definitely a good sign in a one-shot sample of that. A pretty quiet, not great quarter. It was 24 to 24 in that period. McMillan didn't seem thrilled about it after the game, and I think with good reason. They didn't play great in that quarter, but they managed to dodge the bullets because the Raptors were not very good. At any rate, uh, the fourth quarter, similar thing. There was sort of some stagnation earlier in the fourth. Sort of a bizarre step-back mid-ranger from from Hill that I actually picked on a little bit. That was a bad shot. Um, he was not the only one there. But the Raptors got it down to nine with about nine minutes to go. That prompted a timeout from McMillan. And then Toronto just kind of stopped scoring again. Like, every time they make a little run, they would just have three or four empty possessions in a row, and they just could not get over the top. The Hawks threatened to put it, kind of put it away up by 13 with seven minutes to go. They kind of pushed it to that point. 
They were feeling pretty good. The Raptors then made their second to last run. They got it onto eight, and then they had a wide open three by Ananobi, which I circled on my notes with about five and a half minutes to go. He misses it. If that had gone in, it would have, it would have been a five point game with five minutes to go, and it's definitely like a little bit tight at that point in time. And he misses it. The Hawks call timeout to get some subs in because Nathan Knight was playing for longer than they wanted to at that point in time, I think. And then after the timeout, my diamond hits a three and it's back to 11. So essentially a two possession swing from could have been five back to 11. That's pretty safe. And then Goodwin hits a three that felt felt like the dagger, honestly, at 103 to 89 with four minutes to go. And honestly, that was a perfect encapsulation of this game. The Raptors just couldn't make shots and the Hawks just kept making the ones that they needed to make throughout the contest. Now, the stretch run got more interesting than it probably needed to. The Hawks were up eight with about 90 seconds to go, even after Toronto made sort of a little bit of a run to get in touch. Um, Flynn hits another, th- uh, sort of hits, a, it's a pretty tough three to 105, 100 with 32 seconds to go. But still, you're up five with the ball, 32 seconds to go, you're fine. They f- they foul Goodwin, who misses both free throws. That was not ideal. And then Flynn hits another three to get the route within two. And suddenly, like, this is a real, real game. But, fortunately, they get the ball inbounds this time. Goodwin gets fouled. He makes both with 14.9 to go to sort of redeem himself. The Hawks force a um, sort of a long, drawn-out possession and a, and a miss, and that was the end of that. So, it got dicer than it needed to. It was not great execution from pretty much everyone in the final three minutes or so for the Hawks, but the lead was big enough at that point that they were able to avoid complete disaster. Um... Still, though, you know, overall, the Hawks played, again, not like a perfect game, but given what they had available, the starters were good for the most part, um, and then the bench just kind of hung on for dear life when they were out there, and that was fine. Offensively, it was a slightly below average game for the Hawks overall, uh, scored about 1.1 points per possession, which is fine. It was not incredible. What they did do in this game well was shoot 13 of 30 from three. That helped them quite a bit. Um, because they didn't really offensive rebound too well in this game. It was not terrible, but 18% or so, which is below their average. Turnovers were about their average 14 in the game. So nothing special about the offense, just the three-point shooting definitely helped matters. Uh, and then defensively, they held the shorthanded Raptors to about 105 offensive rating. And I will credit the Hawks. The Hawks played good defensively in this game. Um, they weren't probably as good as the numbers indicated because the Raptors really were just like comically cold. Um, at one point... <laughs> With about two minutes to go in the game, Toronto was six of thirty-two from three. So they made they made four of their last seven when the game should have been over, probably. Um, so it looks better than it was. But even then, Toronto was ten of thirty-nine from three, and the Hawks were thirteen of thirty. So that's that kind of tells the story of the game. It wasn't just that by any means, as I pointed out, you know, during the game and after it now. But um, one team made shots, the other team did not make shots, and uh, that went in Atlanta's favor. They couldn't stop Siakam was the only thing in this game. He had 30, including 21 in the first half. But other than that and a Malachi Flynn explosion in the final few minutes, the Hawks did a good job on Gary Trent Jr., holding him to 3-15 shooting um, with some good defense. And I thought the Hawks competed very well, especially with, with Capella out there. They did a good job defensively, and uh, that was that. Um, before we get to uh, some individual breakdowns, as we always do on the podcast, a word from our sponsors – on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. 
Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as i said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine, you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, to the individual stuff in this game, as we always do on the podcast. The bench was, uh, you know, not incredible, but not terrible, which is all you needed in this game. Uh, the one guy who was active and did not play was, was Bruno Fernando. Um, that was the same as Sunday. Nightmare rotation overall. Skylar Mays was a little bit better in this game, a little bit more solid. He was, like, he was great, but he wasn't quite as shaky and potentially as rusty as he was on Sunday. Two points, an assist, a steal, and 10 minutes of play. Um, Lou Williams, not his most dynamic, but was totally fine. Nine points, five assists, a couple of great passes, one to a Kongwu that definitely pops to mind. Um, was plus five, three turnovers in 25 minutes, but you know did a little bit of everything from a Lou Williams standpoint. Nathan Knight was probably the shakiest of the four. Six points, five rebounds, did bring his energy as he always does. Um, did block a shot as well. Missed the dunk, was two of seven from the floor, 0 of two from three. Got to the line, got fouled on a, on a three-point shot in the uh, right corner, if I remember correctly. It was fine, but defensively, it's still an adventure. And I think, ideally, you don't want to play as much as they probably had to in this game. And then the Kongu, seven points, uh, did have an assist and a steal, had four fouls, was, which is not what you want to see, but made that jump shot. A couple nice finishes around the rim, got to the line once. He was not great, um, but was fine overall. To the starters, uh, Solomon Hill. It was, uh, you know, it was a very Solomon Hill game. Seven points, two of seven from the floor, one of five from three, so not terribly efficient by any means. Uh, one rebound, one assist, one steal, one flex, which I'll add in once again. That was a funny moment in the game. But uh, defensively, always the right place at the right time, all that stuff. Um, elsewhere, the other four guys were honestly all good. Um, we'll go to Goodwin first. Obviously, we talked about him in a second uh, second ago with the Michael Ultra Player of the Week honors. But 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, four turnovers in this game, which is probably the only uh, sort of um, down spot in his performance, including uh, one pretty bad one in the final minute or so. But 18, you know, 18 points speaks for itself, plus six. 37 minutes, that's a ton of minutes for Goodwin, but he's efficient, 6-12 on the floor. 
three or four from the three-point range, uh, missed two free throws late, but actually redeemed himself with, with the final two of the game. So, you know, what, what can you say? It's it's a great luxury to have a third point guard that plays as well as he did in these in these two games. Um, that was an advantage the Hawks had in this game, honestly. He, with all respect to Malachi Flynn's last three minutes of this game, Goodwin was, Goodwin was better, like, pretty solidly overall in this game. And then uh, that was kind of Toronto's only option. They were without their two lead guards, and uh, the Hawks won that battle, which was nice to see overall. So shouts to Brandon Goodwin, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Um, Kevin Herter was good in this game. 17 points, 4 assists, a steal. Um, I know I mentioned it once before, but that, that, that pass was awesome to Solomon Hill. If you saw the replay of this one where he sort of whipped it across court with, with, his, uh, with, with one hand, that was a fun one, but was efficient. 7-14 from the floor, 3 of 6 from 3. Uh, defensively was pretty solid. Just a nice, solid across-the-board game for Herter. Bogdanovich continues to be absolutely ridiculous with his jump shot. Uh, entering the game, he was 30 of 58 from 3 in April. He is now 35 of 66. Yes, 35 of 66. That's 53% from 3 in the month of April on a huge volume. He just is so hot. Right now, it covers up a lot of uh, ills, honestly, for this Hawks team. And that's one of the things uh, that they've been able to do in this stretch, both without Trey the last two games, also even before that when Trey was not having uh, some of his better games. Uh, there was the one explosion that he had. But um, Bogdanovich being, like, basically a legitimate number one recently, uh, he's not going to be that moment, uh, you know, moving forward. It's obviously Trey Young's team. But Bogdanovich being as hot as he's been, along with Gallinari and others, has been very helpful to paper over the absences with Trey right now, as well as Hunter and Collins and all that stuff. So Bogdanovich... Cooking, 23 points to lead all scores for the Hawks. Four assists, played very well. And then Click Capella was, I thought, the Hawks' best player again in this game. 19 points, 20, 21 rebounds for Clint. Uh, 16 defensive rebounds, which is awesome. He was the biggest reason why the Hawks dominated the defensive glass in this in this spot. Defensively, he was really, really good. He just kind of erased Chris Boucher. And Boucher was actually really, really good in the first two games against the Hawks this season. Not so much today. He was very quiet, and the Hawks uh, sort of dominated that matchup. The one time that the um, Raptors made some gains was with Ken Burch on the court, and that was against uh, Conwood for part of that. So, yeah, Capella was awesome. Uh, what are you going to say? I mean, there's lots of talk. I'm super asking me tonight about Capella and Defensive Player of the Year stuff. I think that he's not going to win it because of Rudy Gobert. But if you told me that he's second-team All-NBA all center in terms of uh, all-defense, I would have no problem with that at all. He's been he's been incredible. Uh, the one thing that's probably going to get lobbed in his face, just prepare yourself for this, this is one of those things that's, that's definitely unfair to him. Again, this is definitely unfair to him, but you will probably hear this at some point about his candidacy. They'll point to the Hawks' overall defense. And they'll definitely ignore that the Hawks have been so much better with Capella on the floor than with him off the court. It's kind of what happened with Trey Young the last couple of years, where people would point to their overall numbers and ignore the numbers with him on the court. Uh, that'll probably happen along the way here with Capella. But we all know, people that watch the Hawks re regularly will know how good Capella has been. I don't, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say that he's like the best defensive center of all time or anything like that, but he's been so good defensively all season long, and uh, the rebounding speaks for itself. He's leading the league still. Just an awesome season for Capella, and that includes tonight. So that's all of that for now on the individual stuff. Um, Standings-wise, the Hawks, again, 30-25. I'm recording this as Miami plays tonight um, on this Tuesday, but no matter what, the Hawks will be in sole possession in fourth place again tomorrow as they wake up. Um... One piece of news before we get out of here. I wish, you know, actually, news is probably a little bit too strong. Semi news, however you want to say this. Um, Travis Schlenk, the Hawks president of basketball operations, talked about Nate McMillan on 929 the game on when, on, sorry, on Tuesday morning. Um, he stressed that they have not talked about the full time gig at all since he took the interim job and that they will do that after the season, which is not 
you know, that's, that's not abnormal. It's definitely a normal thing that would happen. But at the same time, it was a pretty strong endorsement from Schlank from what he said. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm relaying this along from Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com who tweeted about this on Tuesday. Schlank said that McMillan, quote, would be kind of considered the leader in the clubhouse, end quote, and that because he's working with the team every day, he, quote, has a foot up on the competition, and he, quote, has done a great job and put himself in a great position, end quote. So none of that is surprising at all, like none of it, because any rational view from the outside right now would have McMillan as the leading candidate, given what's happened so far. He has done a fantastic job to this point. He should be credited in a big way for the way the Hawks have been playing. Um, you know, having that veteran steady hand coach and obviously the, the team is bought into what he is selling. That is half the battle in the NBA is to be able to sell your message and have guys buy in. So that's been uh, fun to watch. Uh, you know, people are asking me tonight about, uh, about McMillan winning coach of the year. I don't think he's going to win just because uh, it's hard to win taking over midseason, especially with guys like Quinn Snyder and Monty Williams having records that they have. So, but that's not me piling on McMillan. I think he has a, he actually have a real case to be on the ballot for sure right now, given the record the Hawks have under him. Obviously there's a long way to go in this season. And if the Hawks finish up uh, on this pace and just keep winning every night, he'll probably have a stronger case, but regardless, we'll see what happens. But you know, all signs point, we're at the point now where I would be surprised. This is not me reporting. This is me guessing and me reading the tea leaves. But we're at the point now where I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't the full-time head coach after this season. Um, just because, you know, when you win like this, when you're as established as he is, when you've been around for a long time and you have the rep that he has, uh, you know, the wheels could fall off, I guess. But unless they do, I think he's going to probably be the head coach beyond the season. So... At any rate, that was the uh, quote that was making the rounds from Travis today, so I wanted to pass that along to you, especially after uh, all the all the positive attention the Hawks have been getting on Tuesday evening. Um, final thing here: the Hawks are on a back. To, uh, sorry, the Hawks are back to uh, State Farm Arena on Thursday evening against the Milwaukee Bucks, old friend Mike Budenholzer and company, and that's the team the Hawks are trying to chase down in the standings, which is also interesting. Um, that's another topic that's definitely come up in the last day or two. Uh, people asking if the Hawks can catch the Bucks. Uh, I mean, they, they can. I think it's important to know that they are not likely to do that. Even if you were trying to be as optimistic as possible, they're four games back of Milwaukee with only 17 to play. And that's a very, very tall hill to climb against a good team in the Bucks. Now, the Bucks start, have, I mean, they've had a bunch of injuries. So if that continues and the Hawks stay hot and the Hawks schedule is really nice the rest of the way, it's not impossible. But uh, I know as of this morning, basketball reference had, had about 2% chance for the Hawks to catch the Bucks for number three. So not likely. It is possible, and but one of the ways to do that is to beat the Bucks on Thursday. It's not. I don't, I'm not trying to make too much of that one game by any means, but if the if one of the goals, uh, I will say probably the loftiest goal was to finish number finish number three, you kind of have to beat the Bucks in this game because if you lose that one, suddenly it's five games with 16 to go. That's even tougher. So, also it's a TNT game. The Hawks are not often on TNT uh, in the recent past. I'm sure they will be on more as the team continues to have some more success. But uh, it's noteworthy right now when the Hawks play national TV games, so no local broadcast. They've made it a point of saying that tonight. No, you will not be able to hear Bob and Neek on the TV side on Thursday. I know Steve Holman will definitely be uh, on the call on radio if you want to have that local presence. But uh, TNT game on Thursday, circle that one. And uh, a miraculous two-day break after that. The Hawks have not had a lot of two-day breaks recently, but they will not play after Thursday until Sunday at 1 o'clock at home against Indiana. So that'll be fun to have uh, maybe a day to breathe in between some games. Regardless, though, we'll be here. Uh, plenty of podcast content coming in the future and plenty of podcast content to catch up on that's already in the archive. I 
very much ask you to subscribe slash follow the podcast on whichever podcast platform that you choose, as well as leaving positive ratings and reviews. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends as well. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And uh, I'm not sure when the next podcast will be. At the very latest, it'll be after the game on Thursday. I'm not sure if I will have a podcast tomorrow night or not. So stay tuned for that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pop up. But regardless, the best way to find the podcast is to, is to subscribe slash follow. And we'll see you all next time.